Hi, I'm Jesse. We've arrived at what is currently one of the most controversial verses in the Bible. It comes on the heels of this context in which Paul is rebuking the church at Corinth for their litigiousness and their inability to handle things in-house, to be able to settle disputes through the grace of God. That is the context for what follows. This verse shows up at the hinge point between the litigiousness commentary and then an upcoming teaching on marital intimacy and some incredible wisdom for people who are single. So stay tuned. We got a lot more to talk about here. Here is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, I've been one of those in my past, verbally abusive people or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So uh, before you start sharpening your pitchforks and, and coming after me, I'm going through the word of God. This is what the Bible says. This is an accurate translation. I understand the original Greek and this is an apt translation. I'm using the, the Christian standard Bible and I trust its rubric and its ancient manuscripts from which it's drawn. Uh, this is true. What would you have me do? Should I skip this verse because it would keep me from offending people or should I read it because it's the word of God? He's just listed some of the sins that were really common in ancient Corinth. Now, I know that one of them really stood out to you. That's the, the males who have sex with males in verse nine. Look, man, this is reading comprehension. I'm just reading from the best-selling book of all times, what it says. And it's an accurate translation of the original Greek text. But that's not the only one that was listed. Did you notice that? All sexual immorality, all idolatry, all adultery, thievery, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse, swindlers. Okay, do you hear me? Are you marketing a pyramid scheme? Watch out because you're included right alongside males who have sex with males, right alongside the temple prostitutes of ancient Corinth, okay? That's exactly what he's, what he's talking about here, that you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Jesse, is it possible to be a gay Christian? I believe it's absolutely possible, and I know that it's the case, people I've met in my church life, in my ministerial career so far, to be someone who has same-sex attraction, but then walks in repentance from it, so if that's what you mean by a gay Christian, I guess so, but I don't think that fits with what 1 Corinthians 6 says. I don't think it's possible then to be a gay Christian. If you refer to somebody who is proclaiming the name of Christ but has zero intention of ever repenting from the sin of homosexuality, see this text that we just read, see Romans chapter 1, see Genesis 18 and 19. I mean, it's, it's biblically, it's just clear. I know it's unpopular today, but this is what the Word of God says, and I'd rather be, I'd rather be offensive to you and true to God's word, then less offensive to you and forsake God's word. And you would rather me be honest with you as well. I don't think it's possible to be a gay Christian. But remember, that's only one of the numerous sins that is listed here. Drunkenness is included here. Okay, regardless of what you believe about the gay gene, which at my time of recording hasn't been recorded, even if it is discovered, it's irrelevant because we're all born sinful. We're all born this way. Okay, somebody within, uh, with, with my physical lineage, my ethnic heritage, is prone to drunkenness. There actually is a study proving that. But guess what? It doesn't absolve me of my sin at all. I've got to confess it before the Lord. 
I may be more susceptible to that particular temptation than most people, but that doesn't lower the standard for me. This is what, this, this is what I, I've brought up in discussions about, like as somebody who in my past has struggled with alcohol and walked in repentance since, I have utmost respect for Alcoholics Anonymous, for example. I mean, especially when they started out, they were really true, basically just the gospel. And then since then, they kind of broadened their horizons. They, they went from uh, the God of the Bible to God as we understand him, and uh, they became way less effective ever since. But they label you an alcoholic for life, and I object to that based on these grounds, based on the, the text of 1 Corinthians 6. Okay, like there, there's a guy included in this text who used to be an idolater. He used to worship idols. In the coming chapters, you're going to see people who struggle with whether or not to eat some of the meat that's for sale after it's discarded from idol worship in Corinth. These guys used to worship those idols, but guess what? They don't anymore. So they're not idolaters anymore. There's a guy who, in this text, who used to be an adulterer. Okay, you can't be a Christian and also worship idols. You can't be a Christian who just cheats on his wife without any intention of ever repenting. You can't be a Christian who commits any of these sins in perpetuity without ever repenting. He even goes on to say, that's what you used to be. Verse 11, and some of you used to be like this, but now you have been washed, sanctified, justified. That's incredible to behold. It's not your name anymore. It's not a permanent label affixed to you forevermore. You are no longer an idolater. You are no longer sexually immoral. You are no longer an adulterer. You are no longer a male who has sex with males. You are no longer a thief. You're no longer greedy. You're no longer a drunkard. You're no longer verbally abusive. You're no longer a swindler. Because those people who never repent from those sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. But because you're a Christian, you repent. Even if you stumble, you repent again because you've been washed by the Spirit of God. You've been justified before Him. You've been sanctified. Now, tomorrow in our devotion and in this coming weekend sermon, because this, this, this text is worthy of multiple expositions, we're gonna, we're gonna delve into what those things mean, to be washed, justified, and sanctified. But Paul is very clear, do not be deceived in verse nine. Do not be deceived. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right, if we define ourselves by our sin, yeah, I'm an adulterer, I'm an idolater, I'm a thief, I just steal stuff. It's what I do. And I'm super greedy, by the way. <laughs> like, I'm a pagan, idol-worshiping, adulteress, whatever. Yeah, you like stack them all together and get multiple intersectionality points with all the sins that you define yourself by. That's not who you are, Christian. Because if you have no intention of ever repenting from your sin, evidently you're not saved. If there's never any repentance from sin, if there's never any fruit of the Spirit of God, there's no love for God and love for His church, evidently you're not saved. See the book of 1 John. Okay, you, you repent from sin because you're saved. And when you stumble, you repent again. Dr. Timothy Keller puts it this way. The world is not comprised of sinners and saints. It's comprised of people who repent when they sin and people who don't. If you're a Christian, you repent when you sin. That's what you do because you are no longer defined by your sin. Repentance is the whole point. And tomorrow, we'll delve into verse 11, which talks more about your whole new identity in Christ.